Welcome to the August 8th Evening Sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, and the sermon is entitled, Different Seasons, Same Unfailing Faith, delivered by Revival Guest Speaker, Rev. Kelvin Brown of Mount Olive Baptist Church. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 and 18 and 19. I'm not sure how familiar you might be with this, I'm sure all the pastors are, some of the, some of the people that study the Bible a lot. And, um, but we're going to begin right here as we consider the words of Luke in regard to the Apostle Paul. And from Miletus he sent, that's Paul, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Verse 18, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner or what kind a person I have been. And I have been with you in all seasons, in all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. I want us to focus on the latter part of verse 18. I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Now, I want to use the title tonight, Different Seasons, same unfailing faith. Different seasons, same unfailing faith. In life, we are all aware that there are four natural seasons, spring, summer, winter, and fall, fall and winter. We all are familiar with the seasons of life as they change, but then there, there are other seasons in life, and we talk about them all the time. It's baseball season, it's football season, it's basketball season. But then there, there are times in life when we, we think of there's a season for love, a season for romance. But throughout life, whatever season that we find ourselves in, normally what will happen during these seasons are several things. One, we get a chance to live through the seasons. The two, we get a chance to meet God within the seasons, if we're Christians. And three, there comes a season that we must all die. And so because of this, when we realize that the seasons are ordained by God, they're set by God, they are measurements of time, if you will. But they're not only natural seasons and athletic seasons and social seasons and seasons of love. Tonight I want to interest, introduce us to some spiritual seasons, Amen. And in the Bible, we're going to come across a few spiritual seasons that all of us at some time or another, and maybe some of us tonight are already finding ourselves right in the middle of these seasons, if you will, praise God. I want to give you a little bit of background about the book of Acts. When you think about Acts, Luke wrote it. And Luke wrote Acts, but first he wrote the gospel of Luke. 
And the Gospel of Luke tells us what Jesus was doing while he was physically here on earth. But then Luke comes right behind the Gospel with writing the book of Acts, and he tells us what Jesus is doing from heaven through his physical body on earth, which is you, which is the church. What has God done through you lately? What has Jesus done through you lately? He wants to work through you. If you say, I don't know, I haven't done anything, let me tell you, every person here, God wants to work through you. Jesus wants to work through you from heaven, but you're the physical body. The church is the physical body of Jesus on the earth. Say amen right there if you can. The book of Acts opens at Pentecost. Pentecost is where the church was in the gestational period, if you will. The church was in the womb of the upper room. The church was being bathed in the waters of prayer. The church was growing unseen by men, but not missed by God whatsoever. The church represented almost like a, a newborn baby. But once the fullness of time came, God gave birth to the church by sending his Holy Spirit. And that Spirit of God came into the church with such authority and such power and such anointing that it could not be contained in the upper room, and it burst forth at Pentecost. And the Bible tells us it was first 120 babies in the church. After Peter spoke, that day it was 3,000 more added to that. And shortly after that, it was 5,000 added to that, 8,120. And the Bible tells us after that, there was a number that nobody could number because God's family was being born and being birthed, and it was going forth. And during this time, it's ironic that we find Paul. First of all, let me tell you that the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts is based on what Peter was doing, and Peter was trying to minister to the greater Jerusalem area, the area in Jerusalem and around it. That was Peter's assignment. He was ministering in there and around there, dealing with all the people and the Jews in particular. But Paul, before he's Paul, he's Saul. And, you know, he got saved on the road going to Damascus. You remember that? And then so the, the chapter 13 through 28, we find Paul leading a global crusade, taking the gospel to the world, to Jews and Gentiles, to anyone that he can get a hold of, Paul was taking the gospel. And in the context of Paul taking this gospel to the world, we find him in a part of the world, what some call Asia Minor. He's in a place called Miletus. And Paul is about to talk to the church there, having called the elders in. And I'm just giving you a little bit of background. So now that he's called the elders of the church, he really has called the church and everyone is listening and attentive. And Paul begins to speak and he's going to talk about these different seasons that he's been in, but he has the same unfailing faith. I get excited when I think about the fact that all of us have to go through, and we get to go through so many different seasons of life. But in this, in, tonight, we're going to see what those, some of those seasons look like. But no matter what the season, we need the same unfailing faith. Look at the person next to you.
and tell them we're going to need the same faith through every season. Praise God. Paul, as we find him here, he's dealing with so much. But he says when he calls the elders in verse 17, he calls them together in verse 18, and when they were come to him, he said unto him, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. I've been with you at all seasons. Paul is essentially saying that I, am, I have been with you in every, every single season that you, that you want to find me in. And so the first season I want to talk about is the season of tears and trials. The season of tears and trials. The Bible says here, that Paul came in and he said, you all know my life has been an open book. You watched me when I came out of my house. You watched me when, when I started making tents. You all know my background, that I wasn't born saved, but I had to get saved after God touched my life. You know that I persecuted the church. You know that I persecuted Jesus and Christ. You know that I locked Christians up. You know that I hated Bible study. I hated Sunday school. I hated the church. I hated the name of Jesus. But one day, I, that same man stopped me, and Paul was free to tell his testimony to everyone around. And so when people knew about Paul, they didn't just know the good thing about him. You know how we are. We like to tell people the good part of our story. May I say to you tonight, my story has some ugly parts to it. My story has some parts to it that I'm ashamed of. My story has some parts to it that's filled with tears. Uh, my story has some things about it that without the grace of God, I couldn't stand here before you tonight, so I don't want anyone to think that I'm not familiar with what I'm sharing because I'm intimately acquainted with what I'm sharing tonight. And I want to say to us that Paul, as he, as he meets with the elders and he tells them this, he says, now look, he says that I have been with you at all seasons. I've been with you through some stuff. I've been with y'all as we went through all these different changes and all of this. But he, but he says here, I, I've been with you, in verse 19 says, serving the Lord with all humility. God's plan is for us to serve him. Not just for Paul to serve him, but his plan is for each one of us to serve God. And I, I want to tell you that it's, it's, it's a privilege to serve God. It, it's an honor to serve God. When you look at our world today and consider what people are serving, serving themselves and have selfish motives and selfish things that they are doing, it, it, I'm telling you, it's, it's an honor to serve the Lord, as Paul was doing. But it takes humility. It takes humbleness. It takes the willing to realize it is about God. It's not about us. And so Paul says, I wept. But wonder what made Paul weep. And isn't it shocking that tears are involved with serving God? I know the pastors are smiling now because they know what it's like to weep as you serve God as a pastor. So I think the first time I remember weeping as a young pastor was back in 2007. 
And there was a young couple that had come into our church, and they were working so beautifully, and they were doing things, and things were going wonderfully, and, and, and they, they were with us several years. And then one day, uh, while we had vacation Bible school going on, um, the, the wife stood beside me and said, Pastor. She didn't say anything else. But I knew by the tone of her voice what she was about to say, and I knew that she was about to say that she and her husband were about to leave the church. And before she could say that, I had, tears had already welled up in my eyes. And that is the first time that I knew as a pastor, because I hadn't known to that point that people would come in and, and be, with, be with each other, and at some point they leave. And I don't know how, I don't know how it works, but I just know that as a pastor, I love the people so much that God loves the people through me so much that no matter who they are when they leave, it hurts. It feels like someone punched me in the stomach. And I, and, and I see uh, Pastor Chambers out there. He's new, and you probably will, sadly will find out about it. Jeffrey, you already know about it. Some others, you're going to find out about it, but it hurts when these things happen. But Paul says tears are involved in ministry, but it's not just because of people that leave. I want to read you an, just a brief few lines from an internet article that was written by one of the ministers in Greece, and it's called The Tears of the Apostle Paul. And, and this is the way, he's in the Greek Orthodox Church. And listen to this, this is his title, His Eminence Metropolitan Seraphim Castoria. Isn't that hard to say? <laughs> but he, this is what he says. He says, Paul was a passionate lover of Christ, harder than fire, stronger than iron, and harder than diamond. Yet Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with weeping, even with tears in my eyes, that many live as enemies of the cross. So when Paul is talking here, he's, he, he can remind them, and he's reminding us, that, that we ought to be brokenhearted when we see enemies of the cross. And this is what he says. Paul cried for some who abuse and blaspheme the cross. Don't we see the cross of Jesus being made fun of? I remember, uh, I think it was doing a baseball game or something that was coming up early this spring. People, or a certain group of people were making fun of the cross and mocking the cross. Uh, it says here that for those who are ashamed to make the sign of the cross and, and not the love of the cross, live the life in the love of the cross. Paul can cry because sometimes, even as Christians, we're, we're ready to put the cross around our neck, on our bumper sticker, on our body. But how many of us are, are ready to live the crucified, sacrificial life? Paul saw this, and Paul would look at people like me and say, you see my weaknesses and see my error in my life, and people like us, and he would say, he would weep. It would cause him to weep. And Paul says, he wept for those who do not walk according to the citizenship of the cross. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We, we, are, we are from an, another place. We are ambassadors of the Almighty, if you will. And so Paul wept for those who didn't know the power of the cross. Well, I need to move on from there. But Paul says here, I was with you in temptations. And these are trials. 
Now, I want to talk about things that we all go through according to the Bible. I don't, live with, I don't live with anyone here except my wife, but I can tell you what everyone is going to go through. The Bible says that some of us are going to go through fiery trials, intense encounters and struggles, bursts of anger, grief, and lust. And no matter how beautiful the church looks on any night in revival or any Sunday morning or any Sunday school class or any afternoon, everyone in here has an intense private struggle that they're going through with something in life. There are reproaches. There are times when people will ridicule us, make fun of us just because we love Jesus. The Bible talks about persecution, times of harassment, times when people will oppress you, try to make you lose your job over the name of God. There are distresses, disappointments, emotional hurts and pains. There are tribulations, which speaks of unusual pressures, challenges, and all of these combine to hurt and harm the Christian and to make Christians go through trials. But let me say that God uses all of it. Amen. And so he says here, Paul says that I have kept nothing back from you. In verse 20 that was profitable to you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And Paul went from house to house. Here's just a brief little note on that. Ministry people go to where the people are. We have to go to where the people are. I, I had to get over my wrong thoughts as a pastor that everyone was coming to the church, contrary to belief. The church has to go to everyone else. Amen. And Paul says, I went from house to house. And here he's testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. And he's talking about repentance toward God in verse 21 and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, except only the Holy Ghost that witnesses to me that everywhere I go, I'm going to run into trouble. Everywhere I go, someone's going to try to hurt me or harm me, but I'm still going for Jesus in a way. I'm just going to read through a few verses, and I'm going to make the second point, and I promise you it won't take long to make that second point. But, but of verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace. Do you want to finish your course? Do you want to have joy? Do you know that your ministry came from Jesus? If you are a father, a mother, if, if you are uh, responsible for anyone else in this world, that's a ministry that comes from God on our jobs and our callings and our vocations and our stations in life. It comes from God. It's a blessing from our Lord Jesus, and he, it's a gift to us to be able to serve him. And in verse 25 says, And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. And wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. It's hard to talk about the whole Bible now. It's difficult to speak about the whole Bible outside the walls of the church now. There are some laws and some rules and some regulations and some policies all across the nation that people don't want us to talk about Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
<laughs> but, but Paul says, I didn't hold anything back that was profitable. And that word, Luke used a medical term that meant to withhold food from someone. And when, and when Luke wrote about Paul and he said this, that Paul didn't hold back anything. Paul said, I didn't hold back anything, that, any kind of food that, that you needed. And sometimes when I was young, my mother gave, my mother's here tonight, she fed me some food that I hated. <laughs> y'all, think I only, y'all think I grew up on Charlie's Chicken. <laughs> I didn't know about that until I was like 15 years old. But I had to eat some turnip greens and some things, but some things that didn't taste good. But she still put it on the table. But to the world today, if something doesn't taste good, if Romans 1 doesn't taste good, if, 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 if something doesn't taste good, they want us to take it off the table. But Paul says, I didn't take it off the table. I, I, I was beat a few times for it because of it, Pastor. I was run out of town because I talked about it, but I still talked about it. And Paul still said and wrote letters and, and letters to let us know some, heart, some things about God. And I can't get into it because I'm going to get off message, but let me just say this. Don't shun the whole counsel of God. The second thing I want to tell you, that we should have the same faith, that the same unfailing faith in seasons of satanic attack. Satan's in the business of causing human misery. Satan is in the business of destroying lives. And he seems to be particularly zeroed in on children today. And children are going, going through so much today, and he has so many ways, so many tools to get, so many new ways to get at the children through the technology today, and some of us older kids too. Amen. And Satan knows how to tempt, and he knows how to pull people in, and he, he knows how to get us going on the wrong road. Amen. And so he still has some old tools. He still has marijuana. He still has cocaine. He's, he has fentanyl, which is fairly new. But he still uses alcohol because we, as a society, we have become so, so at ease with alcohol. But let me tell you something about alcohol. Alcohol still is super addictive and super destructive in your body, in your family. Amen. I, I, I just remember, um, I'm reminded we, we were in, uh, my wife and I went to Greece back in April. And when our tour guide was this beautiful lady. Her hair was all gray. I think she was around 70-ish. But she was our tour guide, and we were on uh, Santorini Island, I'll never forget it, on the, on the bus. And she says, look out the window. You're going to see all these grapevines. Seventy percent of this island is used to produce wine. And we grow grapes and crush them and make the best wine that you ever had in your life. And she said, now let me tell you what happens when you drink that wine. If you have one glass, you will feel as light as a butterfly. You will smile and be so happy. She said, but if you would just have two, two more, two, two more glasses, she said, then you will feel like a lion and you will want to tear everything to pieces. She said, but if you would have one too many, 
You will either be like a monkey or a donkey. <laughs> it's so enticing today. Please do not listen to me, country western fans. Please don't listen to Chris Jansen. Y'all know who Chris Jansen is? Don't listen to his latest song, and don't act on it. If you listen to it, don't act on it. I listened to it, and it was so enticing, but I didn't act on it. But you, you know how he said, it's hotter than Hades out here. It's 100 degree, over 100 degrees in the shade. Have y'all heard that song? Y'all need to, don't listen to it then. <laughs> he said, I turn on, C, on Fox and CNN, and I get the same news. The world's in the toilet. The stock market's in the tank. And he said, I can't fix it, but I can fix a drink. That's what his thing is. But in the church, we used to say, let Jesus fix it. Let Jesus fix it for you. And that's what we need to come back to, that mentality. Amen. Amen. But just be aware. And Paul said in verse 29, and I want to just touch on this, and I'm going to keep going because I'm almost done. I'm trying to get out of here pretty quick. For I know this, Paul says, for I know this, that after my departure, well, I skipped a really important part. Go back to 28. Paul says, take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood, that precious blood of Christ. For I know this, that after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. As Christians, we are vulnerable to the wolves and also to the wolves in sheep's clothing that will come into the church for the purpose to destroy our faith to destroy us, but also within the church from time to time, someone will rise up and try to take the place of Jesus in our lives. Someone will rise up with selfish motives and fleece the flock instead of feeding the flock. And all these things that Paul warns, he says, be aware of these satanic attacks. Some of the things going wrong in your life, is, it's not an accident. Some of the things happening in our lives, it's not an accident. It's a satanic attack. And hopefully I'll tell you how to deal with it at the end. Last, the last point I want to talk about. We, we need to have a faith that's unfailing in seasons of sorrow and separation. Most of the, the, the rest of these verses are very tender verses, if you will. Paul says in verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified, set apart. Paul's saying here, believe in God, read your Bible, and serve others in that verse. In verse 33, he says, I've coveted no man's silver or gold or pearl. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. I've made tents, in other words. And to them that were with me, I, Paul used his, his secular job in the world, tent making, to, to take care of himself, but to help other people as well. In verse 35, Paul says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, 
how he said it is more blessed to give than receive. We ought to be givers in this world. But Paul now, I want to deal with this sorrow and separation. He says in, in verse 37, and they all wept sore. In other words, they cried bitterly, and they fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Verse 38, sorrowing, sorrow, sorrow was filling their hearts, most of all for the words he spoke that he should not see, they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. Let me tell you something. There is, there's not one of us in here who hasn't had to go with someone we love to the ship. Sometimes the ship leaves from the hospital. And in my job as a police officer, I watch the ship leave from the side of the road where sheet metal and glass was mangled and tangled together after a serious automobile accident. Sometimes I walked into homes where persons had committed suicide and the ship left in the living room or beside their bed. Even There were even times when they committed suicide outside in the yard. You never know where the ship's going to leave from. You never know what time that ship's going to leave, but we just know there are times that, that we're going to be separated. Sometimes we get a chance to say goodbye. Sometimes, like Paul, we can, they can walk with us and hug us and tell us they're going to miss us, but sometimes that doesn't happen at all. But in seasons of sorrow, and we all go through these seasons of sorrow, we need a faith that, that's the same. We need a faith that's unfailing. Pastor, how can you, do you mean to tell me when you say that we have an unfailing faith, does that mean that I can't fail and I can't do anything wrong? No, that's not what it means when I say the same unfailing faith. We are going to fail. Paul even failed. Paul even said, sometimes I sin when I don't want to sin. Y'all know about that? But we're going to mess up sometimes. But what, when, when, when you hear me say the words, the same unfailing faith, what I'm talking about is that we have, a, we have put our faith in one who cannot fail. No matter the pain that we're going through, whether it's tears or trials, whether it's satanic attacks or whether it's seasons of sorrow or, or, or separation, no matter what, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, there is a faith that's unfailing, but yet still we, we need enough faith to be like Paul to where we are serving and working for God and people can depend on us and count on us. Now look around. This building is not possible. It couldn't be possible without someone having unfailing faith in God. Uh, this, the church didn't start right here. It started next door, and it, it was added on to it and was made bigger and expanded because someone had to stand there and be faithful and faithful with the people through every kind of different season that they are going through. And I believe right now that you have pastors in this building, evangelists in this building, missionaries in this building, deacons and trustees, and the men and women of God in this building faithful men and women, boys and girls and teenagers who can be counted upon by God and that God can work through them and that they will have this unfailing faith, this same faith that we all need. But we cannot talk about unfailing faith without a highest example of it, which is Jesus the Christ. And then we came to Jesus. We come to Jesus right now. And we are to thank, we are to thank him for his example of how to deal with tears. Even ministry is so hard that even Jesus had to weep looking at Jerusalem. Ministry is so hard that even he wept when he saw people going away from him and rebelling. When he saw the destruction coming into their lives, even he wept. 
But Jesus did not weep only for, for those people. But Jesus teaches us about weeping that there's coming a time, beloved, if you put your trust in him, that he's going to draw you close and brush away your tears. He's going to do that permanently in heaven. But there are times right now when he will use someone in your life to brush away the tears of your pain. And we all need someone sometimes when we're brokenhearted, when we're weeping, when we lost someone. Um, it, it's a terrible thing to lose a spouse. Thank God I don't know what that's like. But I respect those of you who have lost your spouses, lost children, lost loved ones. I respect it so highly because I know that from what I've heard, that is one of the most difficult things in the world to go through. And we can only look to Jesus in times like that. It's Jesus in times of satanic attacks. Learn to pray. Jesus said, Peter, I'm, the devil wants to devour you. He wants to tear you all up. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith won't fail. I want you to have that same unfailing faith. And so we can pray. This is the application. When, you, when you're under satanic attack, begin to pray that your faith not fail that your loved one's faith won't fail. When marriages are being torn apart, pray that your, their faith would not fail. And then when we look and we think about sorrow and separation, I thank God that Jesus has dealt with death which separates us from our bodies, our loved ones, and everything that we want to think about sometimes and things we love. But thank God that Jesus got the victory over death through his blood as the ladies were singing tonight. Thank God for that, that oh, by the blood of Jesus. And I was told as a young preacher, preach the blood. It's the death of the sinless Christ. It's the death of the sinless Christ on the cross of Calvary in our place. Paying for the sins, paying for our sins. It's the death of the sinless Christ who suffered and died and went into the grave, but then rose again with the power over the grave. Listen, I know that some of us are suffering tonight. I know that some of us are in emotional pain tonight. I know that some of you are worried about your loved ones tonight, worried about your children tonight. By God, I worry about my children. They're grown men. I, I know that there are things in our lives that hurt us, and we, sometimes we worry about our jobs, our finances. We look at the world around us, and we're worried about these things. But, beloved, let me tell you what the good news is about this world. Jesus said this world is passing away, and the things of the world are passing away. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. He got the victory through the resurrection. Glory to God. And my prayer tonight is that now you will leave here equipped with equipped with the promise, equipped with the understanding that no matter what your season is and no matter what season you find yourself in, you have a faith in someone that can't fail. And if you just keep your faith, that same faith, you know that faith you got when you first met Jesus? You know that faith that carried you through all the things you've been through? That faith right there. Glory to God and praise his holy name. Amen. God bless you all. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.